Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 255 of the iFreak Show. Today on our panel, we have Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil. Erica Sadoon. Hello from Denver. This is James Uber from Minneapolis, and we have a guest today. Please Jordan welcome Oster Jordan Osterberg. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah, hi from California. Cool. So we brought you on the show to talk a little bit about marzipan, and everyone's all excited about it, but you were not really ready to wait. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I've got an app uh, called Countdown, which uh, basically is a, I guess you can call it a planner app. So you can put in different events, uh, birthdays and things, and it'll tell you how many days until they are. So I, for instance, have the next WWDC, a whole bunch of birthdays, things like that. Um, and, and I built this as an iPhone app uh, back in April of last year. Uh, while I was waiting, actually, because I'm, I'm a WWDC 18 scholarship winner, and I was trying to figure out how long I had until those results came out. And so I said, well, might as well build an app. Um, so I, I went and did. And there, there was all the rumors about Marzipan and so on. And I, at the conference, they said, it's coming to developers 2019. And I was like, okay, great. I'll wait for that. And then, you know, waited and thought about that for a couple months. And I said, well, they said it's coming to developers in 2019. So do I really want to take the chance that it's going to get released to everyone next year? So there's a whole bunch of different things. And I just kind of said, you know what, it, how hard can AppKit be? And so I, I went and I learned uh, AppKit and, and all those um, old frameworks. And now I have a Mac app for <laughs> the iPhone app there. Okay, a little bit of a backwards way to get into app development. Um, you know, we all know Mars Band <laughs> yeah. is going to fix all of our problems. You know, it's, all our iOS apps are instantly going oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Work great. Spoiler: uh, It's not. But anyway, <laughs> of course not. I heard what Tim Cook said. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, coming from an iOS background and getting into AppKit, uh, how did the how did the transition go? Well, um, there's a lot of googling and a lot of just kind of hacking stuff together and making it work. Um, UIKit is is definitely more polished, and and AppKit is kind of like um, you've got this, this nice, nice skyscraper of UI kit, and then you have this small little dirt hut that is app kit, but the dirt hut, um, it, it's got all the things you need to make great apps. You just have to go inside the dirt hut. Um, if that makes any sense, I know it's a weird, um, example, but Hey, it works, right? Um, yeah, there's a lot of, since, since app kit is based in, um, all this old technology from the, the next step days. Um, there's all sorts of old API that you have to look into and stuff never usually works out the way you want. Um, so it's, it's a lot of tinkering. Um, but for the most part, if you know what you're doing, um, it, it can work with a lot of hours. Well, um, there's one thing about you, about AppKit that um, happened to me recently while I was working uh, with an app. And uh, it happens more frequently with AppKit than with UIKit. That you find some some weird quirks. Um, like I had a super weird issue where uh, a window animation was, was choppy, but only if my app was started in a very specific way, um, and I couldn't figure it out, and I, I ended up like having to do a big workaround and change the entire way I was animating this UI element just to to like work around a, a weird thing that was happening. And I don't mean that it, it's AppKit's fault necessarily, but it's definitely a, a Mac thing 
that weird stuff can happen. Yeah, I, I've got one bug um, right now because I so I've just added um, this thing called this thing called gallery, and basically it it um, talks to my server and it pulls down different um, countdowns that you can save. So for instance, I have it, I haven't updated it in a while. I have things like Christmas and Kwanzaa, different holidays, and people can go in there and then click or tap on them and uh, and save them to their own you know, device. And I have um, to, to change between like the person's countdowns on their you know, local machine and then the ones from the server, there's this um, segmented control that says my countdowns in gallery. And so if I resize the window and then I click one of them, it changes the position of the window and then shrinks it down. So I can attest to AppKit being very quirky. So what system features are you using in your app? Um, so right now it's, it's not a whole lot. I'm using just some menu bar stuff. Um, I am using cloud kit on the Mac side. Um, and that's really it, uh, right now it's, it's basically a, an MVP, um, that I took the iPhone components and I said, let's, you know, let's build a product that, um, works decently well and see how, how easy it is to make it uh, an app kit app. Um, I, I plan to do handoff stuff um, and and things like that, but there's not a, a whole lot that really fits my use case in terms of like system frameworks um, besides maybe a today view widget um, that I also have planned. Those are fun and quirky, very quirky. <laughs> I've yeah, worked I, with on one of those and yeah. Uh, I want to ask, uh, what, what's your experience like with CloudKit? Uh, are you using it on all platforms? And how much of the code are you, are you sharing between the different platforms? I, I expect it to be pretty much the entire uh, code for, for the uh, syncing stuff. Yeah, so the data layer and the syncing layer are exactly the same thing on all devices. So what I did when I was building the thing is I built out the Mac app and the UI, and then I built out an example data layer and then I took all that and I added uh, another, you know, a Mac target. So I've, I've tried to closely integrate them um, so I don't get like feature separation. I, I want to keep everything uh, in parity. Um, so I, the syncing code is 100% the same. I use Realm for data and that's pretty much the whole story for, uh, for those two layers. I think that where marzipan is supposed to deliver is those kind of sync areas, those sort of things where instead of having always to go to the phone client or an iPad client, that now you can do it at a desktop. So you've done this. What, what lessons have you learned about that shared layering? Well, um, I've had to, I refactored, I think, everything a couple times, and, I, and I'm still planning to go in and, and refactor even more. Um, what I'm refactoring what? Um, specifically, the way I, I handle um, saving data locally um, and then throwing that back in the cloud. Um, since I use Realm, a lot of things are, are finicky there. Um, and for those not familiar, Realm is a, a database layer that works on all of Apple's platforms and, and a few others like Android and so on. Um, and uh, I really, I had to work within the constraints of the realm schema. So I had something predefined, I had all my predefined variables like I had, each countdown has an ID or um, it has all this data about it. And I, I really couldn't change that um, going in. 
uh, and, and putting this on CloudKit and making this all sync. So um, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question. What was your experience like um, developing the actual UI for the Mac and dealing with uh, very Mac-specific things like the menu bar? Uh, did anything surprise you? Uh, any tips you can give to, to people who are... I know many people who, who want to get started with AppKit. They go directly to menu bar apps because those are usually very simple and uh, there's not a big surface area of UI for you to have to, to handle. Uh, so uh, how is, was your experience with the UI side of things and um, what tips do you have for people? Yeah, so with, uh, with the menu bar, mine is, is pretty simple. It uses just default um, NS menu item, I think is the, is the API for it. Uh, and it. And it just creates these items and you can click them and open up the uh, the countdown. Um, so there's not much UI there. It's just standard stuff. So that was easy. And I and I can see where people are coming from with um, with menu bar stuff and only doing that instead of you know a full app. Now in terms of the full app, um, it's it's not as hard as people make it out to be. Um, when when you're building out this app, if you've got into iOS development, and, and most people who are are going to listen to this type of thing. Are, are probably going to have that background. Um, you, you've worked with storyboards. You've probably worked with nibs before. That's pretty much all you really have to know in terms of the Mac UI stuff. Um, there were a couple things that were different, like in terms of um, the mapping between NS collection view and UI collection view. There were some weird quirks to work out there. Um, headers are not super straightforward, and I, I use those as well. Um, and there's some weird things with spacing. You just kind of have to suffer through it and and play around with it uh, until you get something that sticks. Uh, and that's really what I would have to say. Just, just try anything you can to make your UI work. Um, and yeah, don't be discouraged when you search for like NS collection view on Google and it, it says, did you mean UI collection view? <laughs> yeah, I had that happen with, I think, every <laughs> single Google search for this app. It, it came up and said, did you mean UI or whatever? Um, Ray Wenderlich Lich, I'm not sure how to pronounce the, the site name, uh, but it was very helpful to use that as a resource. Um, that's where I learned how NS Collection View worked. And from there, I, I said, oh, this isn't that bad. Um, so I would definitely recommend looking at established websites for um, different iOS things, and they'll likely have some sort of Mac section um, that you can get into and, and really learn how the Mac stuff works. I'd like, if it's okay, to pull you a little bit back towards marzipan sure because you've had a full experience now in taking <laughs> an app and porting it is this the future is it a future is it just a hobby or is it something that is the seed that needs to be totally redesigned um are, are you talking about AppKit being the future or, or marzipan i am only talking about marzipan Sure. Um, I, in its current state, um, as a lot of people is, have pointed out, Marzipan, I don't see as, as more than a, a minimum viable product. It's, it's not super incredible. Um, there's a lot there, like specifically in the home app. Let's take that as an example. The home app is, is it's fairly basic. There's a lot you can do with it. You can go in, you can see all your, your home items and turn them on and off and, and that type of thing. If I wanted to take a light, 
um, for instance, the one I have on my desk here, and I want to change its color, um, I cannot long click on it for whatever reason. I have to right click and then say show controls to, to even figure out that I can change the color. Um, so it really, it needs a lot of work. Um, I certainly see it as an option for developers to use, but as Apple said it at their State of the Union for WWDC's 18, um, they, they really said, we're not de-emphasizing AppKit. And I, I think they recognize that UIKit on the Mac, UIKit was designed primarily for touch devices. So bringing it to the Mac is, it's not going to fit perfectly. It's gonna have some weird quirks. Um, and I'm sure they're all things that Apple can eventually work out. But for now, I, I really don't see it as a super viable option until they, they really sit down and spend, you know, one, two more years on this thing. So when we're converting or, you know, Apple is converting the iOS app to the Mac app, are they doing a translation from, you know, from a, a UI collection, sorry, UI collection view to an NS collection view? Is that like direct translation? Is there some different mapping? Are they different controls? Do you know what's happening under the hood? Uh, in, in terms of marzipan? Yeah. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, it, it's using UI collection view and it's remapping mouse clicks and other controls um, to, the, to the UI application. Um, I don't think they translate from UI to NS uh, namespaces. No, that would be UX kit, which is the thing they've done for the Photos app on the Mac. Uh, that one is like implementing UIKit on top of AppKit. Marzipan uh, is basically the iOS simulator, but with a little bit of uh, a little bit of trickery to make it look like a Mac app, a little bit more than the simulator itself, which is just a, an iOS device in a window. Uh, but yeah, Marzipan is built on top of the iOS simulator. It's basically a simulator window that can be resized and has some Mac stuff on top of it. I guess we didn't uh, touch on the subject too much, uh, but uh, if you can answer uh, in, in a simple sentence, uh, why did you decide to, to not wait for Marzipan um, in terms of your, uh, not, not in technical terms, but in terms of selling the app and distributing the app, what was your decision process? To, to put it really shortly, it just doesn't feel right. Um, you, you like, it, it's really, it's not ready. Um, it's not a first class citizen yet. And I, and I just can't see it being um, a super viable route here for the future of, of Mac development. Maybe, it, you know, as soon as they put more work into it, maybe it can be that and maybe it be can become that first class citizen, but in the current state, it, it's really not. So you've told us that what's there feels old and creaky and <laughs> kind of worn down. Yes. You've told us that the marzipan root just is under underbaked. So how can Apple move forward and Let's say you don't have any rules. You don't, you don't have to go with either of the directions we just talked about. Design me a future for the Mac platform. Well, um, with, with all the rooms, rumors about ARM, um, I really think that Apple is going to be pushing this marzipan route. And I, I think they've got some things right. I, I think they've got 
you know, the fact that it's a, the API for UIKit is super simple. It's straightforward. It took me as a, as a, you know, I was a programmer for two and a half years when I got into UIKit and, and iPhone app development stuff. Um, I took a look at UIKit and I said, this all makes sense. Um, and, and of course the Swift language helped that. And that's also the future, but I digress. Um, I, I think really what Apple needs to do is they need to sit down and look at their marzipan apps and say, okay, these are, are great iPhone apps, but how can we make them specifically for Mac OS? Because it really feels like they've taken the iPad versions of the app. And I think in, inside of the code, um, and I, I think Guy, you might be able to attest to this, um, they use the iPad idiom for these Mac apps on, the, on Marzipan. Um, so I, I think they really need to make some specific adjustments for Mac OS. And, and then that's, you know, that's from there, I can see that as the future. And it is completely possible that, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if this year or, or if maybe they will have it done for this year, but they could in, in theory, uh, implement a Mac idiom for UI kits because it already has the, uh, has the, um, TV idiom, the uh, pads, the phone, and the, the, even the car idiom, and the watch idiom. So that would be just another idiom on top of UIKit, which yeah. does not change the, the way you write the app. It maybe adds some extra features, but it does not change the fundamental concepts of the, the framework. So you just use the same stuff you're used to, just like you can on tvOS. tvOS looks very mm -hmm. different. The controls are different. They draw differently, but the UI uh, controls you implement yourself, those work the same way as on, on iOS in general. So yeah, I can see them doing that for the Mac just to get a more Mac-like appearance. Um, I, I even know with, with, my, with the iPhone counterpart here, um, I've used those idioms to optimize the app and, and make it work slightly different on iPad. And I'm sure um, developers who, who really care about their experience will end up doing the same thing. They'll take their marzipan ports and they'll say, okay, how can we make this work specifically for Mac OS and how can we make this exceptional? Well, tell us about the, the process of, of, of beginning. You've got your iOS app and you, know, you want to make it run on the Mac and so you're trying the marzipan route. Uh, how did that go? What were your initial frustrations? How do you even start with that? Well, um, I spent a long time, and, and even before I started thinking, hey, how can I take this countdown app and how can I put this on the Mac? I was looking into building Mac apps in general for you know months, and I had spent time researching and I didn't find anything um, super helpful. Um, it, to me, AppKit feels like if you weren't there for when it was initially created or initially iterated upon for uh, Mac OS 10, um, it, it's really hard to get into. It's kind of like a, you know, this club where everyone who's, um, been doing it, you know, know, they know how, how it, how it goes. And then there's all these UI kit engineers like me who are like, what the heck app kit? <laughs> how does this all work? So as soon as you find the doors to this, this exclusive club of, of app kit, um, then it starts to become easy. And, and the club really is you know, all these, um, hidden tutorial sites and, and all that. So what I did is I, um, as I said before, I, I found Ray Wenderlich's site and I looked at all these specific Mac um, tutorials and I said, okay, I can maybe build something out, that, out of this. And I followed, you know, tons of those tutorials all the way through, um, spending hours and hours and hours 
just saying, okay, this is this is how you know NS button works, or this is how NS collection view or NS table, you know, all these different API. It was really just a, a grueling brute force effort to look at all of them and say, okay, how do these work in com in comparison to UI kit elements? And then from there I said, okay, I think I'm finally ready to sit down and start working on a UI, you know, test for countdown. You know, how can I take because um, it's a card style app. So you have all these cards and you you have um, each countdown has an emoji, a title, and the um, the I call it a status string. So it'll say like, okay, you have um, this coming up in 17 days, um, and, it, and it's displayed in that order. Um, and, and so I said, okay, how about how do we build these cards in a collection view? And so I just kind of went through using that knowledge I I got from all these tutorials and all these um, different sites, and I said, okay, you know, this goes here and so on. And I and I used that knowledge that I spent hours and hours and hours, you know, building up and I made a, a functioning UI, um, basically a prototype. And then I said, okay, I think this is great. I moved it into, um, my repository with all my other components. And I said, okay, let's, you know, put the data layer here. And, and it was really straightforward as soon as I, I came over that initial bump of how do I learn all this, uh, app kit stuff. Okay. So the UI components are totally different. And you mentioned earlier that a lot of the, the data layer stuff uh, you're able, able to reuse. Um, what other stuff can you reuse and what other stuff is going to be totally different? Well, um, that's really going to depend on the app. A hundred percent, the data and syncing layers are, are super like straightforward to use. Um, since I, I actually use CocoaPods in this app for, to get Realm, um, I was able to use that library as well. And of course, if you're using Core Data, Core Data, Core Data is also on the Mac, so that's not an issue there. Um, I have a, a shared folder in my project with all the different little um, items that I, or pieces of code really, that I share between them. So I have a thing called Data Helper, and that provides me with things like settings and so on. Then I have a thing called Storage Helper, and that provides direct access to the database layer. And then I have Sync Service, is it Sync Service or Sync? Sync Service, yes, yeah, so I have a Sync Service with all the Cloud Kit stuff. And then I have different branching things to branch the data layer and um, cloud layer. Um, I have, uh, in, in a new update that I hope to get out in soon here, um, I have some notes uh, features built in, and then I use some um, Objective-C Markdown libraries to get that to display in Markdown, um, things like that. Um, so really, it, it, it's um, a lot of your cross-platform libraries that you use or you know, might want to use, those usually work out fine, as well as your, your data layer, cloud kit layer, and any shared system frameworks between iOS and macOS usually come out fine. Yeah, I usually recommend to people that they start with the data layer if they want to bring their apps to the Mac, because it's usually just a matter of changing some uh, compiler uh, of some build settings in Xcode, and you can get it to build. Um, a tip I would give is, you start using frameworks, like have your uh, shared stuff be in a framework. I usually like to go with a framework for like the core uh, model stuff and, and logic stuff and a separate one for UI stuff. And if you can have your stuff in frameworks, it makes it a lot easier to share code between platforms because you can just change a compiler setting, a build setting in, in Xcode, and you can get a single framework target to build for both the Mac and iOS. And of course, you can use if uh, iOS and if macOS in places where there are some specific things. Uh, one thing I would also recommend is 
avoid using UI image in your models. I see many people doing that, but there's no UI image on the Mac. You can technically type dev UI image to NS image and it will mostly just work, but it's a little bit risky. I would recommend for your uh, model layer, stay away from UI kit stuff. Basically, you shouldn't be importing UI kits in any model layer type uh, of thing. So if you are going to have images in there, consider storing them as raw data or just a, a URL for a file on disk or something like that. Yeah, I, I made the mistake actually of not using a framework. So that's part of what I'm gonna have to refactor. All of the code is just, it gets rebuilt into the project instead of being a framework. So um, that's on my list. Well, cool, we're getting a little bit low on time. Uh, what else uh, should we talk about? What haven't we covered? You oh, you didn't tell us about your app, uh, your countdown app. <laughs> what, what's it about? What does it do? Who uses it? How can they find um, it? Yeah, so um, basically the the whole deal is you can count down the days to your next um, event, someone's birthday, um, next time you go on a podcast, um, which is what I was using it for these past couple weeks. Um, and you can you can find it at countdowns.app, I think. No, wait, countdowns.download. And it's, uh, it's free for the iPhone with a dollar in that purchase. And then it's only a dollar on the Mac. Um, you can go in and add as many countdowns as you like. Um, there's, I think the only limits are on how many, because you can categorize them. You can only make like one or two categories on the phone. Um, of course, with the Mac, since it's just a one-time purchase, you purchase it and you get everything. Um, iCloud Sync is, is free completely, so I, I don't want to charge for system features. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm leaving too much out. Um, it, it's a pretty simple concept. <laughs> that makes sense. So if you wanted to set a reminder for when the next iFreaks episode comes out, you just go, hey, seven days from right now. What I do, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, in, the, in the next update, which I don't, I don't know when this episode specifically is going out, um, but I hope to have an update out either on the 4th of February or the 11th. Um, and that'll include uh, all sorts of stuff like um, recurring countdowns. So you can say, I want you to repeat every week, uh, every two weeks daily, that type of thing. Um, or every year for your mom's birthday. Yep, yearly is there. For, I put that on all my birthdays. Um, there's a, a great note-taking feature which uh, has markdown support. Um, of course, I, I think I talked about it a little earlier. There's a gallery. Um, where you can see different holidays, technology events. So let's say Apple um, says we're going to have this FaceTime bug fixed in four days. You can see that in the gallery. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm leaving out too much. Um, in, the, in the iPhone side of things, I've worked hard to make the voiceover experience pretty good, um, and it's getting even better in the next update. Um, so look out for that if you're a voiceover user. Um, yeah, that's, that's the premise there. Very cool. And any more questions from the from the panel? Actually, I'd like to ask more about that voiceover stuff. Let's go. Let's do <laughs> it. You, you just brought that out at the last second. That's really. Oh, funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> tell, tell the story. And wait, about, there's more. Yeah, because you know, suddenly my attention, my antennae, came up and is like, oh, That's yeah, voiceover. Yeah, Come my on, favorite tell thing too. That story. That sounds cool. Yeah. So. Um, I have, so let me rewind here. So the first time I really encountered voiceover and all those accessibility APIs 
was about a year ago, actually. And it was for uh, the WWDC scholarship. Um, if you're not aware, um, Apple picks 350 people to go, um, students specifically to go to WWDC free of charge of a year. Um, and so the current, um, at least for the past two years, the current thing to get into that is you have to make a, a playground for the iPad or well, for the iPad or Mac, but most people choose iPad. And I built a playground book where you can go in and, and learn how to make a simple 2D game. Um, and it's, it's super simple. And the whole killer thing about that and, and why I think I got accepted to the scholarship is it had had full voiceover support. So if you were to move um, this character around, um, you would say, you know, character move um, this way, or, you know, left or right, um, character jump, character um, landed on wood, or, you know, things like that. Um, so people who have um, visual impairments um, or are using, I think, switch control works with those API as well, um, you, can, you can still learn Swift. And that, that was kind of my goal at Playground. So from there, I, I went and I took Countdown as an early infant iPhone app when it was um, in 1.0. And I took it into the accessibility labs. And they said, okay, you know, this is pretty much great. Um, there's a couple things you can fix here and there. And then uh, life got busy over the summer, so I really didn't touch the app um, then. And I got back into it um, uh, about September, August. And from there, I said, okay, let's re-audit for accessibility. Let's spend you know, these couple months making this thing great. Um, and so I, in terms of the, the whole UI uh, of the app, as soon as this 1.3 update hits, the entire UI for voiceover and switch control users is a separate UI that makes it super simple for them to navigate. Um, it makes sense in terms of the way they navigate. Um, with VoiceOver, what, what happens is um, you turn it on and you flick um, right on the screen to move uh, between elements, and you can flick left and right. And then if you land on a clickable element or, or a tappable, I guess, you can double tap anywhere on the screen and it'll trigger that element. So I, um, re I, I audited my app and I said, okay, this really isn't up to standard of what I expect. And as someone who cares a lot about, um, you know, accessibility and that type of thing. Um, I, I have family members who have disabilities, you know, accessibility is really close to me. I said, you know, this is not up to my standards. And so I spent um, a very long time making a custom UI specifically for these users to make sure that they have the best experience with this app they can. Um, because, you know, I, I want them to enjoy this thing because it's, it's super helpful. I, you know, it's helped me keep track of different um, dates, birthdays and things. Um, I, there's been countless, um, emails I've gotten people who track their weddings on this thing. Um, so I, you know, I, I really, I want to make sure it's available to everyone. And so I spent that time and I said, okay, let's make this great. Oh, that's awesome. And what's cool about, uh, Apple's platforms is that it's not that hard to, to make things accessible. If you do things right, most of the time using the standards, uh, UI controls and stuff, you get a lot of stuff for free and uh, it's very easy to to go a little bit uh, beyond the, the minimum and, and make a great experience for people who use voiceover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, with, with my app, I have a, a card layout and it, voiceover just did not recognize anything in it. And so I, I sat down and I was like, this, you know, this is not going to work. <laughs> Um, and, it, and it was super straightforward to use voiceover. I had, I had implemented it everywhere else in the app using some um, standard table cells. And I said, okay, let's just make this list layout that uses all my you know, standard voiceover stuff I've already done. And it worked great. Well, very cool. 
I know it's definitely important to get voiceover right. And something that if, if, if you don't have a disability, you're, you typically don't think about it. It's something that you need to keep in mind. And I've been working with a team that has accessibility ex- experts. So when something's not quite right, they'll let you know. And because we want your app to be able to use by anyone. So it's, it's good to see that you've made a priority for it. And definitely Apple does help you, but you do need to put some effort into it. You know, having yeah. text so you don't have button, button. List view, button, <laughs> which is not very helpful uh, if someone can't no. see the screen very well. Um, uh, but cool, we're getting a little bit low on time. So let's get to the picks. Uh, Erica, what do you have? And as always, I have messed up and I don't have a pick. So come back to me and I will find one. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll play the Jeopardy music. Uh, Guy, do you have a pick? Yes, I do. I have a self-serving pick today because yesterday I released this app called AirBuddy. AirBuddy is a tool that lets you use your AirPods on your Mac uh, as easily as you can on iOS. It shows up the little pop-up window when you open the case next to your Mac. It has a batteries widget which shows the, the AirPods, the case, the other iOS devices you have nearby. So it's a very cool utility app, and you can get it on uh, airbuddy.app. Very cool. I'll, I'll have to check that out, and that'd be a good episode to find out uh, what's happening under the hood that allowed you to do that. Definitely. Cool. And it's AppKit, by the way. All right. Uh, Jordan, do you have a pick? Do you have picks? Um, yeah, I, I've got two. Gee, you stole mine. I was going to say AirBuddy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, one, I actually one got it yesterday. I love it. So there you go. Um, I, I would have to say, uh, with the with the FaceTime news recently, not FaceTime. Um, am I allowed to say not something? Yes. <laughs> Counter not, not FaceTime. Counterpick. Um, and then I, I guess since the, the episode kind of revolves around my app, um, Countdown. <laughs> You've heard all about it in this episode, so I'll, I'll go with that. Awesome. Very cool. And let's see if Erica's got her pick already. Okay, I'm gonna go with accessibility. That is an absolutely great pick because far too many developers think about it as a primary driver of user experience. And it's often just an afterthought. And thinking about your entire possible user base, not just people who will use their traditional ways of interacting is something that is definitely worthy of a pick. All right, I'll give that a plus one. So Jordan, thanks for coming on the show. If people wanna get a hold of you, find you, how can they find you? Uh, well, uh, I'm on Twitter right now as at uh, JosterB1 um, because Twitter has locked out my original account because I had it when I was before, you know, before I was 13. So <laughs> thanks Twitter. Um, you can email me, I guess, at uh, jordan.osterberg at shadowsystems.tech. Um, or you can, I guess, visit my website that I, I, I made a website recently, didn't I? Uh, at jordanosterberg.me. Um, yeah, that's, that's my story there. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And for everyone yep. else, we'll, we'll see you next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.